At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 712th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your local food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who manages a family-based full participation farmer's market. We're talking with Kathy Mortensen about not just any farmer's market. Kathy grew up with nine siblings and had family meals every night. Her mom was very sustainable and on an extremely tight budget, yet only purchased meat from the local butcher and fresh fruits and vegetables were the norm. Kathy's husband started running the Naperville Farmer's Market when the founder passed it on to him. Kathy took it over when he left his position at work, never expecting for it to develop into what it is today. Welcome to the show today, Kathy. Are you ready to rock farmer's markets? Yeah, let's do it. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks and share more about the path that you took to get where you're at today? Well, I kind of fell into it and I love starting new businesses. And to me, it was a whole new venture. So I saw what my husband didn't do and wanted to take it further offer more offerings to people, but stay within the guidelines that were handed to us. Mm -hmm. So it literally every single year started growing bigger and bigger. And when he wasn't as involved long distance with it, it freed me up in order to, you know, just start making changes, get it figured out, not only on paper, but with kind of a thought process, but yet I worked in my job, I worked 24-7 anyway, so it was really hard to have a whole lot of free time in order to develop it. So it pretty much stayed back then when we had farmers, they came, they had their space, they left, and that was it. You know, we had this older couple that would come and show up with like tin rattles and the washboard strumming and they would Uh just once in a while show up and it was so much fun and people, they brought stuff for the kids to play with. And I'm like, we need this on, you know, a more permanent basis, but they couldn't commit to it, nor did I want to lose them. So as they became more elderly, obviously we didn't have that. So for a long time, you know, we didn't have music or anything. We just, you know, went back, you know, basically just to a farmer's market that was there every Saturday and Farmers came and people came and they showed up and, you know, until I I left the building and retired. So, but you haven't retired from running the market and you've run this market for a long time. Yeah. I've, I've run it for over 24 years. So yeah, been a part of it. Yeah. The market's over 32 years. So I've been a part of it since the beginning, but physically running it. What does a family based farmers market mean? Well, once I moved out to 
Arizona and started running it long distance, I found somebody very creative to be on site for me. And she's like, we need to get families back. We need to get family participation. So she started reaching out to the local schools and the local music teachers and Uh said, Hey, if you got students that want to practice, but yet are kind of good, (laughs) we could have have them come and give, you know, do their thing. They can put out like their guitar box, their piano hat, whatever, and make some money. And it, you know, it became a win-win for us and people loved it. And then It turned into where she's asking me, can you get some chairs and benches and that I could put out because people want to hang out? And then it became to where we need more food vendors so people can literally, you know, pick up lunch or whatever and enjoy it. And then she developed it into actually where we have four big events. We run a berry fest, a corn fest, a fall fest, a Halloween parade to where the families can get involved and the farmers, the vendors all get involved. So it's a huge, it's a huge event for not only the town, but for our families who join us. So you're, you're putting together programs and events that are family-based that pull people into the market. Absolutely. Yeah. That's our goal. Yeah. It used to be where they came out, enjoyed meeting their neighbors, chit chat, hung out. And then it came to where, like during COVID, they're not allowed to You get a single file and going, stop at the vendors and, you know, go. And it's like people need community once again. And so Big time. go back to it. Yeah. Big yeah. Time. And what does a full participation farmer's market, is that the same kind of um, getting families involved or is that a well, farmer thing? Not only do, not only do we get families involved, but all of our vendors are required to do something special like Berry Fest. We had the most amazing recipes that they did and did samplings. We have insulated bags that we've had personalized that we have drawings for. If you purchase from three vendors, you get a free bag, you know, to the first hundred people. But we want to do like a scavenger hunt to where, you know, the kids can go looking or identifying, you know, certain vegetables and that type of thing. So, you know, we want to move people through, we want them to get to know our vendors and in traffic. And then there's always the area where we have face painting and we have sometimes this city in Naperville comes and they offer kids crafts and that type of thing. Halloween is we do the Halloween parade throughout and they trick or treat throughout. So, So, yeah. So the, the family base is to get families involved. The full participation is to get the farmers to do extra. Exactly. To make make it really not just a farmer's market, but an event. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of like going to a gourmet fancy food show where everybody's got sampling and you come home Uh, (laughs) so full, (laughs) hopefully satisfied, you know? I've always been really curious about how one puts together a farmer's market and then how you find vendors. So how do you find vendors? And if I am a vendor, how do I get in? Well, we have a huge response of people requesting to become a vendor. And basically, 
The best way of doing it is to reach out to us via our email, which is neighborvillesfm at gmail.com. And I get back to people. I have guidelines that I have to follow as far as during season and what we can and can't do. And so by reaching out, it opens the doors for me to start communicating with them, find out what their products are, find out, you know, what they do. And I take it from there. So. And these guidelines, what, what are they? Well, with our farmer being an old time farmer, she had very strict guidelines that she wants it to be farm involved, farm raised and produced. And as we started like expanding the market, you know, it's like, where are you getting your food from? How is it being produced? And, you know, the recipes, I don't ask for the recipes, but you know, what it is that you're offering and, you know, why you want to be a part of the market. So we don't get into crafts like a French market does here in Mm -hmm. Illinois. We, they have French markets and where they bring in jewelry making and all that type of thing. So we don't get into that. It has to be food I do have a vendor that does incredible cutting boards. And so that's something that's not easily accessible to see and to know why you need a healthy cutting board. So, but otherwise, you know, it has something to do with, with food products, but then we started to get into health and, uh, you know, the CBD products and people making like goat's milk soap or that type of thing, which is still farm. So Mm -hmm. that's what I found important for them to still be able to do. So if you're a vendor out there, Mm -hmm. what would you, what would you tell them uh, in reaching out to you? What's the process? What do they need to do in order to uh, be a vendor at your farmer's market or really any farmer's market? Well, the best thing you can do is to know your product and make sure you're going to have a good representation at the market for your product. So you want to be able to communicate with people your story, why you're doing it, you know, how it's going to benefit them. To me, you're going to need to communicate that you have a like an inner drive in order to do it and what made you want to do it if it's not going to be farm raised and produced. Mm -hmm. So to me, with wanting to keep the market rounded, I'm looking for health. I'm looking for benefits for people's happiness or, you know, to make them healthier because bottom line, I think that's what we need to be watching for, you know, they're eating fruits and vegetables, talk to your farmer as far as, you know, their growing procedures, how they're doing it, what they're doing with their farms, get to know your farmers, get to know your vendors, you know, don't just stand there and think, okay, people are going to come to me. So we have a lot of people, a lot of people reaching out that do baked goods. You can only have so many baked goods. So what's making Mm. it different? You know, why, are you doing what you're doing? What kind of products are you using? You know, you know, if you're going to do an Oreo, Oreo cheesecake and you're buying, you know, regular cheese for the cheesecake and Oreo cookies, that's not something I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for creativity. I'm looking for healthy products. I'm looking for clean products and the passion for what you're doing. So 
for let's just say Phoenix, given that I lived in Phoenix for 54 years mm-hmm. and there's mesquite trees there. So if I was making a mesquite bean brownie, that's more in line of what you're looking for. Obviously not in Naperville, Illinois. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Utilize. I went to a prickly pear demonstration one time and it's like the stuff that they did with prickly pears. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. So yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So just for clarity, let's let's let our listeners know you actually don't live in Illinois anymore. You live in the Valley of the Sun, Cave Creek, Phoenix yes. area where I used to live. Yes, I do. And that's, and that's where the prickly pears showed up was in Cave Ex- Creek. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I'm a vendor and wanting to get into a farmer's market, it's pretty straightforward. You want to look for doing stuff locally, farm raised. And is once you get in, what's the process for displaying your stuff, for getting paying the market, that kind of stuff? What does that look like? Well, part of the application, and I'm more flexible. Before it was like, you're either here for all 22 weeks or you're you're not coming. Mm-hmm. And we've found to where we can have a little bit more flexibility. I mean, it takes more work on my part to where, okay, if they can come for, ideally 22 weeks is the best because people come looking for you. They plan their yeah. visits around how they're shopping and that type of thing. So it makes it a little harder on my market master. So. But yeah, as far as flexibility to where, okay, if I can have two mushroom vendors and they can, you know, either sometimes be there, but they're both doing different types of mushrooms and, but one can be here like every other week and the other one can be here the other weeks. That's a benefit for people because they can still have mushrooms, but I don't do a lot of duplicating because certain things you want your vendors to be selling their products. So mm. they have, they basically start out with a 10 foot tent by the depth of their parking space. Mm-hmm. And however they display their stuff, you know, have banners, have signage, let people know you're here, show some excitement. So these are all things I literally with a new vendor, I'll go over, I, I give them a personal phone call. We go over our expectations of a market, our expectations that I have of them for, having a business and selling their products and being excited about it and being knowledgeable. So that way we can have a good showing for our customers that come that so they can learn things. You know, right. We're there to, we're there to teach. We're there to help people. We're there to keep them healthy. Exactly. You know, one of the things I learned, so let me actually backtrack here about 22 years. When I went back to college, I was 40 years old mm-hmm. and my hobby back then was growing food in my front and backyard. And so one of the things that I did one day a week was harvest. I got up really early on a Wednesday morning. I harvested food out of my front and backyard, food and flowers. And I took them to the Wednesday farmer's market at town and country. And one of the things that I learned that I've overlaid on this podcast is that if I'm there every week, and with the podcast, if the podcast is there every week, the, there's more reliability in that and exactly. your customers appreciate it more. Have you found the <laughs> Ex- same? Exactly. Exactly. I can't tell you when I lost my mushroom farmer because they re- she had a baby and she wasn't able to come and run the market. So for three years, I couldn't find another mushroom vendor. 
And every single week people say, why don't you have mushrooms? Where is, you know, or else if mm. like she was having morning sickness or whatever, you know, any, any one of my vendors is like, it's a big factor if they're not there because people come looking for them. If I, I do the map every Thursday and send it out for Saturday's market. And if I move a vendor two spaces because I have to <laughs> give my farmer some more space, uh-huh. people will say, oh, they can't find me. And it's like, well, that's why I'm trying to move traffic throughout the whole market so that people not only say, oh, there's a new vendor or, oh, there's something new that I didn't see because I walked past it. So it's giving you a new opportunity for new customers, but also, you know, you'll know your loyalty with your people who look look for you. So you're you're absolutely right with showing up is critical. Yeah. And what does it take to run a weekly market? What what are you doing? What's your market master doing? Well, (laughs) from we're done in November like the middle of November. So I wait until January and then I start meeting with my on-site person and we start brainstorming for the events that we could start running. We found it easier to reach out to the vendors early in February so they can they're not trying to pull together what our expectations are for events and stuff while their farms, while they're, you know, they're planning their growing season, they're planning, they're buying all of that type of thing. So we actually start communicating in January with our farmers. And by May, we've got the events planned. We've got social media planned. My market manager has pictures of the different events. And from there, I'm busy with applications. I'm busy with, you know, getting paperwork sent back to me, all the forms, all the insurance and everything like that from like February through June, through May. And so then in June, you can start focusing on, you know, you've got to get your advertising and your social media. But now I have an incredible social media guru. So nice. I can say, hey, it's your problem. Tell me what, (laughs) tell me what you need from me, you know, and figure it out. So it's like, Anna and I were talking and it's like, it's such a well-run machine now with this year was the first year we really started putting, you know, the ownership on the vendors to be a part of it. And if you don't want to be a part of the events, we don't want you as a, you know, in the market because we're there to work for you. We need you to show up for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that's what you're doing. What does the market manager do? Well, she's involved with getting the family events, like all the music planned and scheduled. She's involved with the vendors all go to her for their planning of what they're doing. This year, we've started cross-marketing with the different vendors. So like we took for a very fest, we took a a peach vendor or raspberry vendor and, and put them with somebody who makes cookies or somebody who does cheese or somebody who does and the cross the uh, somebody who does granola homemade granola and it was the biggest event ever when we did our corn fest we did it again where we had our farmers who you know brought in corn or, and somehow or other though we had the the soap vendor who does goat's milk soap make the most amazing corn soap 
things. I, I mean, I can't even imagine wow. how these people get creative, but utilizing corn and or utilizing the, you know, fruits with Fall Fest, you know, we're going to be focusing on, I really, I have, I finally found somebody to, to speak about canning because we need oh, to start. Um, I can do that. I would love for you. Would you go to <laughs> Illinois to do that? <laughs> But, you know, people need to start prepping and, and, oh, yeah. and they, they need to start taking advantage of what's growing in season, which has been the other hard thing to do is, is like we, we used to have a farmer who brought in vegetables so the market could be rounded. So there was tomatoes when it wasn't tomato season and corn when there wasn't corn season. And this year we're like, we need it to be what's in season. People need yeah. to learn to shop. And then. They know where their food is coming from. It's all local. It hasn't traveled in trucks for days and weeks and all that type of thing. And yeah. this is what we have. This is our year to teach people to learn to shop seasonal. Nice. You know? And yeah. so as a, as a vendor, let's just talk, talk me through <laughs> that process. I'm, okay. I'm a vendor. I show up. You have a space assigned for me? Yes. Absolutely. Great. You have, um, yeah, you have setup times, you have takedown times, you have perfect. a space assigned for you. Yes. And then, so I, I show up, I get set up, people walk by, they buy stuff. We're getting ready to close the market down. How does, how do I pay for the booth? What does that look like? That's done. We have a seasonal or a weekly price. So I take care of all that preseason. So there's, when they're done, they're done for the day. We, you mm -hmm. know, their sales are their benefits. It's not percentage sales. It's a flat uh -huh. rate. And yeah, I couldn't imagine dealing with cash or any of that type of thing at the end of a market. It's safety wise, all of it. It's not worth it to me to put that at risk. So, yeah, I know that some farmers markets who pay a percentage, like when I was right. doing it, I paid 10% at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I seriously, I have vendors who do a lot of money and, you know, between cash and charge cards and all of that type of thing. I don't want to get involved. That's their business. We have a flat rate that's very, very fair and mm -hmm. they get the benefit. We're there. See, I've started small businesses in my life and uh -huh. it's my job to help small businesses and keep it out of big businesses influence, you know, yeah, yeah. these people come to me because they're starting a business. I'm here. If you need help trying to figure out starting a business, the whole, I, I mean, we are literally here. I, from step number one, if that's what you need, Anna, who's on site, she is like telling people how to merchandise, how, you know, get oh, the signage, nice. get this out there. It's like, we are there for them to sell and to and to be successful. That's our bottom line. And that's where that's what makes us happy. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to shift on you. And I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Okay. Well, I like to think positive. So thinking of a failure is really going to have to draw deep into me. And I used to have a sewing business when my son was born so I could do something and be there to stay at home. Uh -huh. And I used to do bridal and after five, and I had someone who went to Italy to buy their 
wedding dress and they brought it to me to alter it because I used to design bridal. Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of an accident where I actually cut the fabric of the dress and started freaking out. Now, out of everything I've done in my life for this one particular thing, I always go back to freaking out. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The bride's never going to know. No. So I decided to own up to it, tell her what happened. And she says, you know what? You're creative enough. I'll trust you. And it was in a pretty primary spot that I snipped the dress and you never knew it. And the wedding was beautiful. And I, and it's like, Hey, you know what? If I stick with my gut on things, I'm going to be okay. And that pretty much has been, you know, if you fall, put on your bootstraps and pick up your suspenders and go forward and, you know, roll with it. Yeah. I like this because you actually, you stayed in integrity and didn't try and hide it and it worked out just great. Yeah. I needed to do that for me. You know, I lost a lot of nights sleep over it, but I, I needed to do it because how can you take a family? It's going to be a family heirloom and they see something later on down the road. I can't, I can't, I couldn't live with myself with that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And what do you consider your biggest success? Well, I'm really pretty proud of the fact of starting businesses and having them successful. I'm really proud of raising a son who is a strong person and very successful. Health is really important to me. Having learned so much about health and wanting to be healthy and wanting other people to be healthy and not to have to count on the things, you know, that are out there that are the easy way. That's kind of my primary focus is my health, my husband's health, you know, and, and living and, and being able to be healthy and to be active throughout as we get older, you know, we're all getting older and Right. I have an 87 year old neighbor that nothing stops her. You know, she, (laughs) if she wants something, she goes and does it. Like we had a storm last night. She's Uh out driving in it. It's like, what are you doing? She said, I needed this. I needed to go out for it. So she did. It's like, wow. You know, that's where I want to be. That's really where I want to be. Yeah. And what drives you? My health drives me being pain-free, not having pain as I get older. Is totally Mm -hmm. my motivation. Having my husband around for, you know, several more years, Mm. you know, keeping him healthy because he has different ideas of health. But yeah, I mean, I cook all his meals. I, you know, I practice what I preach. You know, my mom made bread all the time. No, I don't make bread. I try to stay away from gluten, but I make all of his meals. We go out only, you know, just once a week so we can have his happy time with others. So yeah, but health drives me 100%. Perfect. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Well, short of it being the Bible is my first choice because without God, where would I be? But I found a book and it's called The Grain Brain by David Perlmutter. Oh, yes. Yeah. I found this book because with as diligent I am as far as healthy eating and that type of thing, a friend of mine, I never like to like what they call vomit on people with a, with knowledge. Uh-huh. So I always kind of step back and it's like, yeah, I have my own set of values. But when this person who is telling me about, oh, they found this book and 
you know how damaging, you know, sugar is and gluten and that type of thing to our brain and to our heart. I just sat back and smiled and said, oh, really? So where are you hearing this information? And she said, I found this amazing book. So I decided to get it and read it. And it's like, not only did it validate what I've learned and what I've been researching, but it's like so much information as far as keeping a healthy brain and right. a healthy heart. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Called yeah. Grain Brain. Grain Brain by David yeah. Perlmutter. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, stay true to yourself. Watch, you know, where your food is coming from. Eat healthy. Support, support, support local small businesses. We we need them more than anything now. And that's where we need, you know, we need to be supporting our communities, supporting our neighborhoods and that type of thing. And, you know, go to your local farmer's market. There is so much there, you know, no matter how small or how big it is, there's mm-hmm. treasures there for you, for your daily living, for just everything. And, you know, we need to come down to living simply, mm-hmm. you know. We don't need as much as we need, although I do need my espresso machine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend that said, okay, if you had to leave or you had to bundle up, what would you take with? And it's like my espresso machine. (laughs) Once a day is all I need it. And I'm good. But, you know, we need to really just simply sit back and appreciate what we have and live simply. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Kathy. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So how can our listeners get a hold of you in the market? Well, the best way of doing it is through our email, which is neighborvillesfm at gmail.com. And that way I can get back to you. Definitely join us on our Facebook. Well, yeah, our Facebook and our Instagram page is very active and upcoming events and all of that type of thing. And, and we, right. we love for you and your family to come and join us. Excellent. And that's Naperville Farmers Market on both Instagram and Facebook. Yes. Excellent. But with our email, I had to add an S. So it's naperville'sfm at gmail.com. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Naperville Farmers Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.